Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast. Uh, my name is Paul LeFevre. I'm here with my Ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn. Today is Friday, the 26th of August, 2022. It's another fine day in Pineland. Yes, and finally starting to cool down a bit. It's been, it's been squelching hot. Yeah. Uh, and we have, I always say special guest. I mean, every guest we have, I call special. But, uh, but that's, I mean, it's, not, it's just because it's not me or you. I guess that's why I say that. Well, hey, listen, it's uh, it's it's hard to get guys to you know to sneak into Pineland and uh, you know, infiltrate the G base and come in and have a conversation with us. So we're thankful every time we get a, a guest of uh, of uh, high quality like uh, the one we have today. Absolutely, and uh, our guest today uh, is a man who has uh, kind of seen the inside, if you will, uh, institutionally of the the United States education system. Uh, so today's guest is Aiden Tate. Uh, he is uh, one of the Blacksmith Publishing authors, uh, which is going to be coming out soon. Uh, the book is entitled "Reason on Trial," subtitled "Keeping American," excuse me, "Keeping Human Rights in Public Health." Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, Aiden. Hey y'all, how's it going? I don't know about a high quality guest. I kind of consider myself more <laughs> of a blue light special at Kmart, but. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, anything is an improvement over Paul and I. So, I mean, yeah. you're, 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 you're at high status you know, from, what, uh, from where we, we're at. But, uh, Aiden, uh, tell, us about, tell us about this book and why you, why you decided to, to write it. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, several years ago, I ended up and I got my master's in public health. And while I was there, it was just nauseating to see in different papers I was reading from different students and different discussions that were going on in the classroom and even the textbooks, I was routinely listening to stuff. I was like, oh, my word, like they're pitching you. the This is the problem. And this is how we fix it. And every single time it seemed like that it was this is how we fix it. It was either through the growth of big government or it was just straight tyranny. It was synonymous. Right. But uh, over and over and over again, it was that being recommended for the course of action. And so I kind of just put that in the back of my head and at the time I was like man that was nauseating as an experience and I still learn stuff and all that of course and uh then 2020 hit with everything going on and it was then I was like you know what I've kind of been mulling over in my in the back of my head on the back burner writing a book tackling how do you keep human rights and public health and after 2020 I was like you know what it's it's time to write this book so I started writing it at that point and it took me about I guess two years, but that's that's basically where I'm coming from with it. It's always amazed me, uh, Aiden, especially when um, you know I hate to pick on COVID, but it's really the elephant in the room. Um, but I think you're right. When when COVID came out, it was kind of eye opening, at least for me, and, and a a little bit shocking on how willing 
people were to inject themselves with something that was experimental, uh, didn't have a lot of science uh, behind it. And even when they had to change the very definition of vaccine, because the old definition didn't, wasn't sufficient, I was just surprised how many people were just so willing to inject themselves with something like this without even questioning anything. And I think that's both the power of propaganda and the power of fear. And propaganda can most certainly be used to to stoke fear. And that's what we saw at play with that. Um, when you get somebody scared, I mean, if you look at the, the neuroscience level and all that stuff, part of the brain pretty much shuts down. And it was just straight up constant fear mongering that we saw within the media over and over and over again. And it's still going on. And people that were used to just buying hook, line, and sinker, everything that their TV said, well, they swallowed this too. And that's, I think, how you end up with those kinds of decisions being made. Yeah, I think so. And I think, uh, you know, now I look at various people and I, and I understand the at-risk populations, okay, and, and the older, um, older Americans, if you will. Um, I can understand their sort of willingness to go along and mask up and get vaccinated and all that. But even today, I mean, these young people, it's almost seemed like, I don't know if the, if the fear was just so great that, that um, they've bought it and they, they can't deviate off of it. But it's, I, I'm still like amazed the amount of people that are still running around with masks on. Yeah. I think a large part of that, particularly with younger people, is if they were at college within the past three years, they would have had college is no longer about learning. It's about indoctrination. And so if they're there with those people that are trying to indoctrinate them the whole time that are buying all this crap, they're going to buy it too. And so they're going to combine that with uh, increased aggression. And that's how you end up with some of the, the fights you end up with at different grocery stores and whatever else. Well, I mean, I don't want to get, I don't want to pick on the medical community, you know, for this whole show, because I mean, obviously your book goes way deeper than just the medical aspect. Uh, But what are the other areas uh, of our society and our culture that you think are, are impacted today by um, this problem, if you will, this pervasive problem? Aiden, you still there? I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. Well, yeah, no, it's okay. I was just wondering yeah, the other topics. We, yeah, I mean, besides the medical field, I mean, obviously, there's other areas um, in our in our society that that are being affected as well. Oh yeah, I mean, easily you could look at the education system, and you can see how forced mask and how that has impacted uh, just kids' lives with that. Where you got these kids that are uh, combined with that, they're not allowed to see people's faces, and they're not allowed to talk with their buddies or hang out with their buddies. And we saw all kinds of increases in pediatric depression rates as a result of this. Uh, You could even look at as far as like our two-year-olds right now are not experiencing the degree of, they're they're not as good at at speaking and talking and stuff as they would have been otherwise during every other year. Uh, So we're seeing all kinds of ramifications from this, not just within the healthcare setting, but 
and many other aspects of life as well. I mean, we could look at the economy. We could look at what, what have you with forced lockdowns where you're told that you're no longer a, a benefit to society and you don't deserve to work to feed your family. We could look at that as well. There's all kinds of stuff. Hey, uh, if I could, uh, here's the other elephant in the room is the title itself, Keeping Human Rights in Public Health. Um, I mean, obviously what you're tackling is, you know, we, we, want, we want human, uh, we want health, but we don't want big government. Yep. So what, you're, uh, it look, what it looks like to me is you've got all these aspects, at, when I look at the table of contents here, uh, of how, uh, I guess the big question I'm asking is, uh, is this just, is it me or am I coming in late here to the uh, the whole program? Is there, are these just aspects of big government trying to make, uh, to capitalize on us more, to take away our freedoms, and they're just using some of these um, that may not be real things that they're using to do that? I mean, is this kind oh, of yeah. a question? No, I think that's definitely the case. And so, like, one of the chapters within the book that tackles this is it addresses how public health has essentially been used as a catch-all term. And you can, and I, I don't say this as far as like, this is correct, but this is what people are doing. They'll label racism as being a public health problem, or they'll label gun violence as being a public health problem, or they'll label, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other well, things well, I've seen. Well, the latest one that we're seeing is climate change. Yeah. Yep. It's yep, kind of like, uh, you know, never waste a pandemic. Uh, never waste, uh, you know, a breakout, uh, never waste some type of cat catastrophe, you know, spin it, you know, use it. And that's kind of my brain. My right side of my brain is, is working. And I see that as soon as something happens, it's like, how can I use this, you know, to better well, get entrenched? Isn't that what Saul Alinsky said too? never let a crisis go to waste? I believe it was him that exactly. that's attributed to. That's exactly yep. right. And yep. so that's what we're seeing. It's not because these people truly care about people. It's because they can use this to push an agenda. So if we can use and we'll say, let's say uh, climate change, they'll use that and say, oh, this is a public health problem and use that as the justification, if you will, to push through all kinds of Agenda 21 crap that it really doesn't have anything to do with health or people or anything it's ultimately about furthering an agenda yeah it seems like the uh now just me looking at all this because i haven't lived under a rock for the last decade uh, it just seems like uh it's all socialist you know which is yeah. you know communism light but uh mm -hmm. it's all aspects of hey uh they just want to you know people like us they're independent-minded and they don't like big government. We're it's just uh, they're just finding new ways to kind of take uh, like you know this this idea this uh, liberties away from us, I guess. And I think with that that so F. A. Hayek he wrote in the Road to Serfdom. He was a I believe he survived the Holocaust if I remember correctly. He escaped from Europe during World War II. Wrote this book, and he said the same thing. He said, "Listen, like." You ask the question, why has everything become political now? And it's because when you end up with a totalitarian regime, socialist, communist, whatever, it's all the same thing. Uh, everything of necessity has to become political because they want control over everything. And that's how you end up with these things that, what, five years ago, no one would have 
cared. You make your own decision. Well, now all of a sudden it's a political decision. Mm. And if you're not on board with it, well, you're the problem. Yeah. Where, um, Aiden, where, where are the liberals? Um, and, and the reason why I'm asking that is because I just, I think, um, you, a lot of our listeners have probably, uh, remember Sam Harris uh, recently uh, justifying uh, some of the actions that were taken uh, during the 2020 election. And I was kind of surprised to hear sort of a self-proclaimed liberals liberal, Sam Harris, um, really kind of came out and, sh- and showed that he wasn't a, wasn't liberal at all. He was, he was a straight-up Marxist uh, because he was justifying – uh, whatever actions needed to take place, uh, spying on Trump, Russian collusion, uh, whatever it took, because in his mind, uh, that was what was best for the world and for the country. And uh, this is certainly is not classic liberalism by no means, but I mean, are there any classic liberals left? Uh I don't think so. I I think really it's either you're Marxist now right now in the States or you're capitalist. I think that's the really the two parts that there are at the moment. Yeah, because I think when people are talking about uh, can't we just get along and find some middle ground, I think that's the problem. You could find middle ground with a with a liberal, but there's no middle ground with Marxism. Well, and I also so with that. So I like what Ayn Rand says on that. She says, okay, when food compromises with poison, death wins. You end up as, if you are good, a good man, a a Christian, a follower of Christ, and you compromise with evil, well, who wins? And apply that to wherever, and that's that's where you end up. Absolutely, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you you have so many... uh, I mean, there's so many uh, ways we could go with this podcast. One of the things I was thinking about is uh, in Chapter 7, you have this question, should you trust a government that, that must convince you? I wonder if you could just elaborate on that. Yeah, okay. So if we end up where we are told something like this is the percentage for uh, – if you make this health decision – you have this percentage of a success rate. And then we're told two months later, it's a different number. And then we're told two months later, it's a different number. And then we're told, yeah. well, you know what? I just said that because it would convince people to, to do this. Should you trust that person? If they, if you are looking at all the data and it's true data and you come to the decision of your own accord, you're like, you know what? I don't think this is a good idea. And then somebody else comes along behind you with a baseball bat and says, nope, that's the, that's the idea that you need to take. How are you supposed to be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's, yeah you, you said it, so I guess it's true. Yeah, so I think what uh, – this is what I see when I see the news. You know, I, I watch, uh, let's say, Don Lemon. You know, I'm just seeing a narrative – Okay, you could also argue that you're seeing a narrative uh, from, uh, you know, uh, Tucker Carlson also, okay? But the narrative I see is, uh, you know, a meta-narrative of uh, just, you know, strategic communications control. And uh, I'm just wondering, you know, where this, where this COVID thing has gone. I mean, it seems like COVID is no longer the hotness. Now it's, you know, the next thing will be monkeypox or whatever other thing that comes down the pike. But as long as you follow the guidelines, 
I mean, is that what we're, is that basically what this, uh, this chapter, I guess what we're arguing about? Yeah, I would say so because you had it switched from that to now you need to have whatever the next crisis is. Yeah. Now have the Ukraine flags. If you don't have the Ukraine flag, uh, you know, shame on you. Yep. (laughs) Yep. That's, that's where we're at with all of it. Um, it's ultimately again to push for a deeper agenda and people buy it propaganda works propaganda is powerful and we have seen that at play people will read history books and watch uh, movies like schindler's list and whatnot and they'll look at world war ii germany or right before that and they'll be like how did people fall for this it's so blatant that's right and now you've lived through it and lots of people see it and other people seem to have been blinded to it even worse. So now you see, oh, that's how it happened. That's how they got to that point. You know what I keep, uh, you know, to use an analogy from China, they use the social credit score system. Yep. And so, and I know that our current president has looked favorably on that. Uh, at least I've heard him talk about it in, in, a, in a scary way that, that that was a good idea and that maybe we should adopt that. Uh, can you see how, uh, you know, things like you didn't get vaxxed or you didn't do X, Y, Z and how that could actually lend itself to, uh, you know, lend its hand to something like that? Or am I just oh, complicating yeah. the obvious by asking? Yep, I that? think that yeah. I think that's definitely on the way. And in many ways, I think it's already here. There are numerous stories that we've seen and you could easily uh, maybe you've witnessed it yourself or you've had friends that have witnessed it where they tried to go to the doctor and were told they couldn't go to their appointment because they didn't have a mask on their face. Yeah. And so you have something like that. But then you can with improvements in technology, socialism always grows more terrifying. And so like the social credit score in China, which is an absolute nightmare, yeah. you've got the beginnings of that over here right now with like ESG scores being applied to bank accounts. If anybody thinks that's going to be voluntary, they're living under a rock. That is very much going to be one of the, I think the main ways this is incorporated into the U S as far as a social credit score. And you're going to see health decisions being factored into that. I think in the near future, I mean, that's what, uh, that is one of the, the, the largest, and if I'm wrong, correct me, but one of the largest control mechanisms that China has is that social credit system? Uh, you're, you're talking about this is biblical. You don't buy, you don't sell. If your score sucks, can't if you, you can't travel. You right. if the, you piss the government off. Hey man, now you can't buy a house. Now your kids don't go to a nice school. Just fill in the blank. And so when we see, when you hear presidents talking about that, is like a good idea. That's scary. It's bad. Oh, yeah. Very very bad. And ch- and it goes even beyond that. In China, if your score drops below a certain threshold, you disappear. Yeah. And what happens to you at that point? You end up in a, a Lao Gai system, which is essentially the Gulag archipelago, but in China. Wow. And you're either going to be some type of slave labor. Maybe they'll just massacre you outright. Maybe they'll use you for organ harvesting while you're alive. You don't know. But that's what happens there. And how do they get to that point? Well, you've got obviously communism, but they use tools to do that. One of which is cameras everywhere and artificial intelligence being incorporated with that, with facial recognition and other things. And that's what I look at in chapter two of the book is look at the, the death of privacy that we saw starting from 2020, that technology is staying around. It's not going away. 
those cameras with um, fever detecting technologies and whatnot, those are those are still in place, businesses and whatnot, and they are going to continue to spread and be utilized. I used to work as a locksmith, and I would get the uh, different locksmith trade journals and whatnot. And that was one of the things that articles would talk about: is like, hey, you are in the security service, and you are needing to boost your sales and stuff because of everything with lockdowns. Well, this is a technology that you can now start to incorporate. So it's out there and it's, it's going to continue to grow in prevalence. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the first questions I have is, you know, how do we, maybe I could ask this later, but, uh, you know, what do we, how can we prepare? What can we do other than know that, uh, this, these are elements of a big government, uh, uh, you know, and, and, uh, getting everyone to follow, you know, toe the line, get, you know, same mindset, everybody get the, the sheet mentality, what, you know, how can we, uh, what's the pushback here? How can we prepare ourselves? Yeah. So I think there's uh, several things that we can look at there with that. So first I would say, stay away from universities. If you've got a kid that's getting ready to graduate high school and looking at a university, those are nothing more than indoctrination centers. I would highly recommend (laughs) looking at like trade school because trade school, you're not going to have the debt you are going to learn something valuable that will make you potentially a six-figure salary. Plumbers and electricians make bank. Says, and, hey, says the man who's professor. <laughs> That's awesome, man. No, it's, well, great. it's great. You know what they say PhD stands for, right? I, I, I forgot. Poor, helpless, and desperate. <laughs> yeah, PhD in philosophy. <laughs> That's would what, you, that's would what you like fries with that, man? <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. Well, that was one of the things. I applied for a job at a coffee shop, but I didn't have a psychology degree, so it, was, it was, <laughs> couldn't happen. That's awesome. Yeah, you, uh, you're you right. I mean, uh, you know, I've long said this, and, and this is not uh, tinfoil hatted to say that our institutions of higher learning are infested, absolutely yep. infested with these uh, these these communists. It's yeah, really who they absolutely. are. They they will basically, you know, we have so many politicians that will say anything to stay elected. And, you know, these people in these higher uh, institutions, they will say anything to stay in their positions. And they will just keep turning left and left. And they'll just, as long as they keep their cushed position. Even if they're not one of these real wolves that are like purposely trying to poison the minds of America's youth. They're just like, well, that's what I got to say to stay here. Well, I guess I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I think there's historical precedence with that as well, where we end up with people that are more afraid of losing their income than they are of doing the wrong thing. So if you look at Police Battalion 101. Yeah, exactly. Which was in Poland. Yeah. uh, They did the same thing. You had guys that did not want to take part in the Holocaust whatsoever. And they, after they went through their first Jewish action where they massacred people, which they did because they didn't want to lose their job or didn't want to lose their prestige or didn't want to have their buddies just uh, make fun of them or whatever. They ended up becoming some of the most ruthless killers that there were because they didn't value morality as much as they did their money. Yeah. And you can see the same thing in whether it's university or public school, whatever. I mean, same yeah. place. And when they have skin in the game, 
right? When they have, uh, you know, houses, stocks, yep. they've got a lot invested. Yeah, they've got a mortgage. They've yeah. got kids yeah. in school. I mean, and if they speak insane. out at that point, well, you don't toe the line at that point. They lose all those things. They go, you know what? What's the big deal? I'll just go a little more woke here. I'll just follow yep. this one little thing here. No big deal. And it's, but yeah, they're all just frogs in a pot. And they all yeah. spew vomit. You're right. Like so don't too. go to the university. <laughs> yep. I don't think it's a good idea. No, uh, not at all. I'm with you, man. I've got a few degrees. Uh, I did go to Liberty University. So I think Liberty's okay. Uh, it's there's, conservative. There's, a, there's, there's some Hill, couple out there. Yeah, Hillsdale. I mean, there's there's a couple of. But few and far between. You know, I mean, there's yeah. some universities out there where I still think you can get a decent education. But. Um, Really got to do your homework before you rack up a whole bunch of student debt. Yeah, you really need to look hard at where you're going to spend your time and where you're going to spend your effort. And yeah. uh, you know that's a great point too. There, Aiden is uh, you know having a trade. You oh, know, Lordy. Uh, you know, there's so many people that uh, you know. Most people they go to college. You know, I did this for two years. You still don't know what you want to do. Yeah, and then uh, by that time you need to make a decision. And there, there's a lot of people in our country, I don't even know the metrics, but they have degrees, but they don't really know, they don't have any skills. Yep. They know stuff. But uh, when the crap hits the fan and when things go non-electronic, you know, what do you got? What can you do? You know, how can you work with your hands? How can you make a living when everything is broke? When the whole oh, system yeah. comes down, what are you left with? You know, I think and, we should start thinking like that more. Oh, yeah. And I think as well, y'all brought up a good point there as far as with student debt. Uh, that's another thing that someone could do to resist this would be get out of debt. Because yeah. if you are in debt, you are essentially a slave to that debt and you've got to make ends meet. Well, if you get out of debt, your employer can say something ridiculous that you now need to do and you can walk away and say yeah. yeah you know what like i've got the skills i've i'm an honest person i can find another job I, I i don't have to put up with this and for that i would highly recommend uh dave ramsey's financial peace university is probably the best text i've read or course rather that'll detail the steps as far as getting out of debt yeah i mean he's really introducing um something that should be introduced to every american family um, because we're told that debt's not a big deal. You know, you can rack up the credit cards or whatever. It's all right. You know, we, we, we've got this sort of materialistic borrowing sort of appetite here in this country, but uh, you are absolutely right. When you, uh, when you have a lot of debt, you're, you're enslaved. You, you have just reduced your, your freedom of maneuver. Oh Yeah. yeah. I think there's even a correlation there as far as debt with communist ideals, because if you are deep in debt and let's say you don't have a background with uh, really studying anything about politics, you've never even thought about it. It's not really your thing. You just kind of uh, went to college because everyone told you that's what you need to do to get a job. Well, now you've got sixty thousand dollars in student loans and you're barely making interest payments on it. And you're hearing talk about how big government can be used to forgive all your debt and give you all these other things as well. And it it makes me wonder, OK, has this push the past whatever, 
several decades to get people buried in student loans. Is there not some other deeper reason there as well? I don't know, but it, it works to their advantage. Yeah, to me, it just looks like the whole forgiveness of the student debt uh, fiasco just looks like a huge wealth transfer. Uh, there's no, yeah. there, you know, debt is not being forgiven. Um, it's just somebody else is going to pay for it. And it's probably yep. the it's probably the guys going to the trade school that are you know making the the big bank and and doing the right thing. Yep, it's going to be the American people that end up paying for it. Exactly. Hey, something else that I love. Uh, another reason why I like your book, Aiden, is uh, it's just saturated with the Constitution and language about the, the founders. Uh, and one thing you highlight a lot of it's in the it's in the subtitle is human rights. Uh, and so this what this reminded me just reading it is. Um, you know, do we really know our rights? Do we, do we really know the Constitution? Do we really know the Bill of Rights? Have we read the Declaration? And uh, I think, uh, the, I know for the, speaking for myself, the last two years has really been a call for me to go back to these founding documents and really know my rights. Like, do they really have a right to do X, Y, Z? I think uh, everyone not only should read your book, but also know their rights. Uh, and you mentioned so many of them, but uh, I think um, what would be like the, uh, the biggest infringement, I guess, on uh, the rights that we have to some of, if you could just name a couple. Yeah, I think as far as within the text, what I cover the two largest would easily be a lockdown of the economy. Yeah. And the other one would be forced medical experimentation. Uh, mm. All the others are big deals as well, but I think those two are the biggest of the big deals. Um, and that, I mean, I suppose there could be other ones I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but that's the ones that come off the top big. of my head there. Well, I mean, these things, uh, these things came right out of Nuremberg, the Nuremberg trials too. I mean, it's, it's how soon we forget. Yeah. Yep. I mean, think of the, uh, I mean, I don't even know if we have the metrics as far as businesses. How many businesses have been like ceased to exist? Because of this. Yeah. Uh, but then you have, throw out some names here, those Walmarts, they stayed open, right? So you have these. Uh, and none of the mom and pop st- this uh, is, shops did. Yeah. And then so this is not tenfold hatted to say no. this is also part of restaurants a closed bigger down, picture. Uh, hairdressers closed down, yeah. uh, we, the bars, oh, yeah. masseuses, uh, yeah. uh, gyms, whatever. I mean, we could go on and on. Yeah. Bowling alleys for some reason. I got no idea, but you know, they weren't allowed to bowl. I don't think it was a protest. Uh, I don't think it was bowl. a mistake to say when uh, Jen Psaki called it a pandemic. I think that wasn't, <laughs> a, I think that was a Freudian slip. Freudian slip. Pandemic. Yeah. Well, and that was the whole point of the book was looking at, okay, people may not have thought through some of these different situations or whatever and that's that's fine i don't think everybody has to think through every situation that there is um that's not what i'm saying but what i'm saying is you end up all of a sudden with a situation you've never seen before you have forced quarantines and things like that that are popping up now you've never thought about it what do we do to incorporate human rights into that into uh talks on masks, on talks on uh, forced jabs, on talks of anything related to public health that you can think of was what I was trying to tackle in this book and say, okay, uh, you got a problem. The problem is this illness here. What do we do to defeat this without just 
being the jack boot on the human face forever, you know? And so that was the whole, the whole goal there. I think, um, I, I think you're absolutely right, but I think, um, you know, we probably need to relook uh, at what level we're doing things. Um, I have got no idea why people like Fauci are so powerful and make so much money and are getting kickbacks off these patents and are in bed with big pharma you know, where, where is that in the Constitution? Uh, tell me what founding father thought that was a good idea. You can't tell me that public health can't be can't be handled at a state level. Do we need an NIH? Do we need a, um, NASID and all these other large uh, unconstitutional agencies that, that are supposedly making decisions for our health. I, I can I'll say first, I mean, CDC has lost its credibility, hasn't it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think they lost it. Actually. I would argue they lost it back when Obama was in DC. Um, but yeah, they definitely lost credibility for sure. And I'll say that the constitution, how all this happened is because it's ignored and <laughs> you end up with that. And no one, no one cares about it. Um, so that's how you end up with all this crap that we've got going on now. And how does it get pushed through? Well, people are, they succumb to fear and they succumb to propaganda, propaganda being incredibly powerful when they have all of the mainstream media and it's radio, it's music, it's TV, it's everywhere. Uh, even the smartest person when they're inundated with this 24 seven, eventually they're going to start believing it. Yeah. I mean, I've got no problem with like New York City doing whatever they want to do. It, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, if they want everybody to walk around with a mask on and six feet apart, that's fine. Uh, I can move. You know, I can pack up my bags and, you know, go to another state. Um, but when you, when you have these things mandated at the federal level, it, it becomes very difficult. Yeah, I think the, the issue is it spreads. Like, it doesn't just stay contained to one state. Those people move, and then they move to – uh, down to Georgia and they carry that same mindset and they vote that same uh, crap in the office there. And yep. it's That's true. Spreads. Met a lot of uh, Californians recently, you know, uh, moving to Texas. Everyone is uh, curious about how that's going to pan out. Uh, not good. <laughs> yeah. So, and I've wondered that for a long time too, what could states do to protect themselves from that? And I think it's a thorny issue, and I don't have any great answer, but one to just toss out to mull over is could we not have it where, okay, you want to move down here to Georgia? Prove that we should accept you. Why should we let you in? And if if we don't like what you got to say, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do you – at know. the border, do you like uh, – what do you think of the mask mandate? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, you're not coming in. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it comes down to um, again. I mean, a lot, a lot of things come down to the children and our education system. And I think if we can get a handle, I think if if, the, if parents can get back control, if they can wrestle control of the education system back from the state and um, take responsibility and um, actively be actively involved in the type of education that their children are getting. I think a lot of this stuff will probably fix itself. Uh, I, I said, I said in college classes, just like you, Aiden, I mean, I was surprised at how many of these, uh, 
19, 20 year olds, whatever, are just sitting around there and they're just, you know, absorbing all this nonsense. Yep. Yep. They are, that age is incredibly impressionable. And if somebody listening is that age, I don't mean that to be offensive. That's not my point here. Not that I care about offending anybody really, but my point being is that just recognize that about yourself, that there are things that your professor may be saying that ain't true. And if all your friends are just buying it, be the person that says, you know what, maybe I should check this out for myself and see if the facts really line up with what this person's telling me. You know, I had, um, you know, so I'm a preacher and I always, uh, I look at, I think I'm looking at this the same way you guys are and a lot of our listeners, but in a biblical sense, uh, this is part of a, you know, a much bigger problem, a moral problem. And, uh, and I know this, that, uh, you know, from, from reading the word of God, if we close our ears to the word of God, then we freely lend our ears to the lies of Satan. And then we, uh, uh, you know, we're going to run, you know, pell-mell, you know, as fast as we can uh, into these other, you know, this other way, the way that's not good. I just see this as, uh, you know, uh, as the enemy's way of, you know, destroying the family, destroying the biblical morality of our country, the, bri- the bi- biblical framework. Uh, and so I'm just going to wear that hat. Uh, that's what I yeah. see as a big part of this. Uh, and so I think uh, we don't want to disconnect that. We don't want to discount that, uh, the spiritual component of all of this as it's evil. No, uh, I, I agree wrong, 100%. But there's also, yeah, there's also evil, yeah. And it's yeah. it's interesting that you say that because I've, so I've been reading a book lately called Live Not By Lies by great Rock Rahim. Yeah, it's a great read, yep. I haven't finished it yet, but he references a, a Solzhenitsyn quote yeah. where – I've, I've read him in the past. I just, I overlooked this and I don't know how I did, but he looks at the root cause of what caused communism to flourish and spread within Russia. And he says, ultimately it was spiritual nothingness where Christians were silent and didn't say anything. They wouldn't speak up for justice. And that's what he says is the root cause of the, the problems that his nation faced. Yeah, it's an anti-Christian uh, spirit, an atheistic spirit, uh, and then you know we can't discount that. You know, our country was founded on the Word of God. The only reason why our country has been blessed so long is because it was founded on the Word of God, right? And yep. uh, and if if we lose sight of that, that's true. I mean, because uh, I'm just maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but oftentimes as believers, we don't like, well, let's not go there because. That's just my faith, and I don't want to, you know, bring it into this problem. But that's really part of the problem is, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like Trump, but one of the things he did is he exposed the evil. He exposed the the lunacy of, uh, and we call it the left, but really the immoral aspect of our country, those working behind the scenes, the deep state, whatever, that don't really care about the, our biblical moorings and they're into, you know, uh, you know, making money, eat, drink, and be merry tomorrow you die, all those things. And I think, uh, a lot of the conversations we have, we don't go there, but that's really, that's the root of the problem. Cause as soon as you do, they go, Oh, okay. You're just one of those whack job, uh, you know, Christians and you're, you've gone there, but you went there in your book and I'm glad you did. So, there was back during the birth of YouTube, 
which I, I experienced and went through and all that. There was a video I remember watching years ago where an atheist was talking about how his Christian buddy had shared his faith with him and asked him to church and whatnot. And he was explaining to his atheist friends who were upset about that. He was like, y'all, like, yeah, I could be upset about that because I'm an atheist and whatever else. But if that guy truly believes what he believes about hell, how much does he have to hate me to not tell me about (laughs) Christ? And I've always remembered that because Christians, not all the time, many times we get caught up in the fear aspect of it, or I don't want to be ostracized, as if we are experiencing religious persecution to the extent that people in Iran are right now that are Christians, right? Uh, That someone may just like sneer at you or something. But Christ commands you to love people. How can you not tell them about Christ? And we are absolutely seeing an attack on Christianity within the U.S. as well. Uh, Karl Marx wrote that religion is the opiate of the masses. Vladimir Lenin and Stalin, both of them hated Christianity. And you look at what they did to Christians in their nation. And you look even, I think, uh, later in the book, um, I look at this as well, where churches were shut down and now we're arresting pastors and setting them up with entrapment as well, where we show up. And because the pastor doesn't answer the door with a mask on, on a non-church day, you're going to threaten to close down the church and all that. Like how else can we view that other than an attack on Christianity? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think there's a uh, component to a lot of uh, Christianity, not not, not all, but, a large segment of, of Christianity is sort of this need to be polite yeah. and turn the other cheek and don't be adversarial um, and just just be patient. Um, I think we're way past that. I, th- I think uh, Christians are going to have to realize that there, if there is good, then there is evil. And you're naive to think that they don't sit around and think about uh, their agenda and what they're trying to achieve, and you you need to be savvy as a Christian. You need to be, you need to be understanding that, and you need to have your guard up, and you need to be protecting your children and and your families from this um, very covert onslaught, if you will, and sometimes not so covert. Yeah, I think if we look at the life of Jesus and how he responded to everything, uh, yeah, Jesus was kind. Jesus is patient, like. Most certainly, but he still would tell the truth to people, uh, whether they were a like the guys on the cross with him. He the one thief. I mean, the guy's a thief. And when he came to faith with Christ, God, Jesus said, yeah, OK, you, you'll be with me today in heaven. He talked with uh, tax collectors. He talked with whores. He talked with all kinds of people and he would tell them the truth. But and he he loved them. And that's the reason he told him the truth. I think that particularly the past 20 years within America, that the church caught on to the idea of the toleration. We need to be tolerant and not say anything. That was a ploy. That was nothing other than a way to get the foot in the door to where now if you don't bake the cake, you're a bigot. And whatever now on that. Um, Yeah. Well, even, yeah, in threatening churches that they can lose their tax-exempt status if they discuss politics. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, 
one of the uh, one of the issues we have, that, you know, that we're taught in the Bible is, uh, you know, there's a there's a two pronged attack that uh, Satan uses, and one is persecution, right, and the other is compromise. And I think the brand of attack that Satan uses in our country, of course, is compromise. You know, watering things down. Uh, certainly, other nations are experiencing the latter. But uh, but yeah, just you know, a little here, a little there. You know, watering something down there, and just kind of, you know, whatever it is, whatever comes down the pike. And then uh, you know, in our our church, you know, we we violated the uh, the COVID mandate big time. I mean. Uh, I would rather obey God than man. So they said you can only have 10 people in the building. We, we Yeah, we violated the heck out of that. Uh, we didn't wear masks. Uh, we had services every Sunday. So, yeah, we did it. But uh, I think there's a time to, to say, hey, look, uh, should we, you know, whether it's right to uh, obey you or, or God, you decide. But we're going to go ahead and do this. And uh, so when and I think we're going to have to look at that increasingly. You know, we have examples where the apostles said, hey, they were commanded not to preach. And uh, so they they rather had you know, got their butts kicked and still did it. And, uh, you know, we, we may not get there in our country, but there's other ways where they're going to want us to be compliant in other ways, subtle ways. But those subtle ways add up. And then uh, well, the health, the, the health um, avenue is just really yeah. clever. Exactly. Uh, because hey, this you know, is for your own good. It's for your own good. Don't yeah. you care about yep. people? And you see the way like the kids. You see the way. Oh yeah. my goodness! I'm gonna tell you right now. Um, how a parent uh, takes their young child and injects them with an experimental gene therapy blows my mind. Yep. Um, your parents out there, your kid is not at risk of anything. Okay, and. Uh, <laughs> Please don't inject your children. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. But um, the the health, I think people need to be aware of that. That the health aspect is just a really nice way to sort of uh, get compliance and get uh, domesticate folks and get people to be doing what uh, you want them to do. There's no science for masks. There's no science for six feet. There's no science for any of this stuff. It's just arbitrary rules. You want to see if you're going to comply. Yeah, and then the science changed all of a sudden. How did the science change when they dropped the mask mandate? What happened? Nothing. They just decided that maybe that we weren't going to deal with it anymore. And enough is enough. I mean, do you remember that when they said, okay, no more masks? I mean, what scientifically had changed? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. It's, it's scientism. There's no science in, at all. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that had changed was the statistics. How many people quit watching the TV? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And with you talking about the church with everything, that's something that just made my blood boil throughout 2020, where if you're willing to tell somebody they can't come to church because yeah. you can only have 50 people in there. Yeah. And I, I saw the same thing with Sunday schools. We can only have 10 people in Sunday school. If you're going to listen to that, you're going to listen to them when they say you can only have three people or nope, yeah. you can't have it at all. But you can go to so, Walmart. Yeah, you can go <laughs> to a Walmart, That's right. but you can't you can go, go to, to church. That's right. Yep. Nice. Yep. And that's it. I mean, it's just other ways of uh, manipulating the populace, to control the masses. Absolutely. I mean, it's all, that's what I'm saying is, 
Uh, you can say I'm wearing a tinfoil hat. That's fine. I'll wear one. But it's part of, uh, I'd say, a great reset. That really is real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A great reset yeah, is mean, part of this. Yeah, we're, we're actually witnessing it. I mean, yeah. it's... Uh, I'm saying the great control. reset is uh, is happening. I'm saying it's also evil. Yeah. And I'm saying that it's also part of a, uh, a grand scheme uh, to, to destroy our country. Are we are we seeing a, back, a backlash to this? At so, least I mean, the one that we know. Especially... Uh, I'm maybe it's just me, but it seems to me like more and more people are sort of getting into holistic medicine. I mean, I don't think I think more and more people are getting turned off by big pharma. I don't think they trust big pharma. I think a lot of people yep. are going to um, more holistic treatment and 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 uh, vitamins and, and th- things that really just kind of make sense. But there's no there's no money in it. Sunshine, you know, uh, you can't sell sunshine, but yeah. you know. It, Vitamin E is Can't real. Control and, that yet? Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> I need a license for that. Aren't, yet. aren't people kind of turning back to, to some of the natural remedies and some of the things that have been proven to work over a millennial? I I think there's several reasons for that. I think again, like going to the example of someone's not allowed into the ER because of they don't have this piece of paperwork, right? And so people say they're terrified, and they say, "You, well, gosh, I." I better do what I can to get myself healthy. And now I, after everything I've witnessed, I don't trust what's in that medicine. I don't trust what the doctors are going to do to me when I'm under anesthesia. Um, I, I, I got to do something I feel like. So what do I do? And I think that uh, if there, I haven't seen like hard numbers on like sales of alternative medicine has gone up this, this much, but I would say that's the reason why. And I think a large part of that is because, again, we talk about colleges being indoctrination centers. Mm. Well, you got to go to college a long time to be a doctor. And these people graduated from those places where they had their four years of undergrad and then they had seven years of med school, if not more, if they wanted to be a specialist. That's Mm. plenty of time to indoctrinate somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, big pharma's got – I mean, everything's really a pill these days. they got a pill for everything. Um, I'm, I'm actually glad to see that. I'm glad to see people actually at least expanding their possibilities of treatment. Um, but you're talking about hard stats now. Well, we do know some hard stats, and that is that uh, mortality rates are up in um, age groups that are vaccinated. Yep. The actual... Uh, the life insurance policies, the actuaries, um, and the life insurance that uh, they they know what they're paying out. I mean, these people crunch numbers for a living, and uh, they they are seeing a spike in uh, people dying. Um, that that use that that's an abnormal thing, and no one wants to attribute it to the vaccine. Nobody wants to go there, um, but it's pretty obvious because the the uh, the numbers correlate with the um, with the rollout of the vaccines. It started in 2021, which would have been right when it was released. Yeah. Um, and I think that potentially the most heartbreaking part of this to me is to see the number of mis- miscarriages yes. that have resulted from this. And to me, like, OK, you're seeing all of this data that's talking about this, about miscarriages when people are, are getting this. And then if you know that and you know that's the case, how on earth 
can you recommend that to young mothers and you say, well, this this is the people spiritualize it, you know, like this is the Christ like thing to do. You need to take this to me. It's okay. Well, what was that drug back in the 70s or 80s that caused babies to be born missing limbs? Right. We know that. And to tell a mother now, yeah, this is what you need to take. Everybody would look at that and say, that's that's wrong. Or to tell a mom that she needs to just chug the rum as she's pregnant. We know it's going to result in fetal alcohol syndrome, and that baby's going to end up being a different person than what they could have been. And it's going to have lifelong consequences for them. Anybody would look at that and be disgusted. And yet we look at this as a whole, or at least the media does, and they encourage it. And it's just, it's nauseating to me. Well, we do see um, some lawsuits. Uh, being brought now, and and some people winning some large sums of money. Uh, folks have lost their job because of vaccination mandates um, or whatever. I I don't know about you, Aiden, but I think um, I think we're going to continue to see lawsuits in a lot of different areas as as more yeah. and more facts are are known. Yeah, um, I've got mixed feelings on it. I don't know. I I don't trust the the system with it. I guess though, but I do also think that more and more people are going to start go, scratching their heads and go, wait a minute. So I, it's hard for me to say on that one. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, something that uh, I wanted to share this other thing that I've read. Uh, I like what I read with your book is it gives, uh, I would call it informed pushback. Okay. Uh, getting smart on your rights, uh, knowing that, Hey, I don't have to just, just follow and toe the line, no matter how moronic things happen, whatever else comes down the pike. I don't have to do that. I have rights as an American citizen, uh, and I don't have to just do that, stick my head in a crocodile's mouth or whatever it is. Uh, and so that's what's really good. It's a wake-up call uh, you know, for our, for our citizens to read this and, and say, hey, look, I, I do have rights. I don't have to do that. Uh, and the other thing is uh, it gets us in the mindset of, Hey, I can redress these things, you know, politically, uh, I can, I can redress these things legally. Uh, and that's, that's built into, uh, the framework of our, of our country is we do give pushback. You know, Americans, uh, are supposed to be, uh, you know, vocal on what they believe and not just hook, line and sinker on anything that comes down the pike. So it's, uh, congratulations on a great read. Uh, and I, you know, and I, I know I can see how you took a lot of time to put together. It's, it's well cited and, uh, it does have, uh, you know, lots of footnotes. So that somebody says, you know, you know, what about what, uh, you know, they can look this up and, uh, see how you, you've referenced it very well and you make a great argument. But uh, at the end of the read, that's really what I'm looking at is, Hey, look, uh, you know, tyranny comes in all shapes and sizes and, uh, you know, we, we, there is such a thing as too much, uh, you know, authority for the government, you know, and that's, that's why we have, uh, you know, the way things, the way they are, we don't want people changing that. And we have to be informed Americans and say, Hey, wait a minute, you can't do that. And if we're all stupid and we don't know our rights, then, well, that's what they're counting on. Yeah. I mean, we have yep. to, we have to remember that, um, these folks are, our our employees. Yeah, exactly. You know, they work is, for us. Yeah, they work for us. This is our country. Uh, I appreciate 
the data that uh, various government agencies put out. Okay, I got it. But put the data out. But at the end of the day, uh, individual Americans have to decide what they're going to do, especially when it comes to their body. Yeah. Aiden, what's what's the next project, man? What do you what what do you got going on after this? You got another book in the uh, in the hopper or something? Uh, another topic that you're uh, yeah, thinking I've about got, tackling? Uh, so right now I'm doing a lot with ham radio stuff. So I'm I'm most certainly not the most knowledgeable person in the room when it, when it comes to ham radio at all. Um, if someone is looking for the most knowledgeable person in the room when it comes to ham radio, they got to check out MC Scout. He's <laughs> a genius. A, that's right. <laughs> nice. With, yeah, with sure. all of that. Yeah, he's, 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 the, he's the definitely the, the, the combo man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but what I've got coming out next is going to be a study guide for helping people figure out how to pass the technician test. Uh, so that's the next project that should be out soon. And the hope being that I'm not engineer minded at all. I'm not an electrical person. Uh, and I've found a lot of times with like studying for the different licenses and whatnot, it's incredibly confusing, I think, in cartoons. So I've got a heck of a lot of cartoons that are going to go into this that if someone wants to get more skills that would help them to uh, save people, rescue people, protect their family or whatnot, it'll, it'll help them to be able to do that. Yeah, I think uh, there's that's, – I mean, that's the problem with a lot of technical manuals is uh, they're just too damn technical. <laughs> I mean, yeah. people, yeah. Like, people like stuff brought, you know, brought down to size and, and, and easy to uh, digest. Well, hey, uh, Aiden, uh, we appreciate you uh, taking some time out uh, today and uh, discussing your, your book because it's definitely timely. And, yeah. uh, Make and sure I, you guys, uh, it's going to be coming out soon. Uh, Reason on Trial, Keeping Human Rights in Public Health by Aiden Tate. Yep. All right, well, we, thank you all for having me. Thanks, thanks Aiden. All right, well, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode of the Pine Lantern Podcast. If you enjoy our content, we hope you'll check out our sponsors. Blacksmith Publishing, been serving with Warrior Class since 2013. Uh, titles written by Warriors, for Warriors. Uh, if you're looking for some uh, cool apparel, head on over to the general store at pinelander1776.com. And if you're interested in helping develop our country's next generation of warriors, consider uh, donating to the American Agogi Project. Until our next meeting, remember to keep your head on a swivel and stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute. To each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. God bless Pineland.